Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Alex Hulbert. Alex is a director and chief operating officer at Schneider Financial Solutions, the litigation finance provider to the matrimonial and private client sectors and listed within the FTSE 1000. Unlike many in the sector, Alex is uniquely positioned, having been a qualified solicitor since 2012. And before joining Schneider Financial Solutions, was in practice at two of the UK's most respected private client and matrimonial law firms. In his time at FSS, he has been responsible for writing some of the largest litigation loans in the family division. He also successfully manages cases with complex circumstances involving international family, multifaceted corporate and trust structures, and those with non-disclosure and enforcement issues. Alex consistently strives for an innovation and fairness to the legal market and was responsible for the introduction of living expenses loans into the mainstream of private client litigation lending in 2017. Alex is also a trustee board member of Support Through Court and donates his time and expertise to helping their cause providing support for litigants without legal representation. So I am super excited to welcome Alex Hulbert to the show. Welcome, Alex. Hi, Sarah. Thank you very much indeed for having me. You're very welcome. I'm really hoping that this information is going to help lots of people listening out there. Because I was fascinated when I found out what you do and the services you offer, because I just don't think it's widely known. So... Please tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Sure. So, um, so I'm, I'm Alex. I'm 33. I live in Surrey. Um, I'm married. I have a, a son of my own. Um, I am by training and by background a divorce lawyer. Uh, I trained at a firm in the city, a sort of full, full service private client firm, um, and then specialised when I qualified in, in matrimonial law. Um, and that ranged in the beginning from anything from acting for parents whose children have been taken into care by local authority to uh, high value divorces where the assets being argued about could run into tens of millions, hundreds of billions, sometimes even billions. That career progressed and I ended up in a, a sort of boutique uh, matrimonial firm focusing mostly on, on financial remedies, on divorce and then about four years ago, I was invited to uh, join a finance business called uh, Schneider Financial Solutions, which is a uh, litigation lender. And they specialise really in providing litigation finance to people engaged in private client and predominantly matrimonial disputes. So these are, for the most part, um, the uh, financially non-dominant parties, perhaps people who've been cut off by their spouse because their spouse is very unhappy that their divorce petition has landed on their door uh, and uh, we will cash flow those people 
to ensure that they have equality of arms and, and fair representation in, in their court proceedings. I think that's very valuable because I think a lot of people, when you're going to divorce, you don't have the available funds. I know a lot of my clients will say, you know, that their ex is controlling all the finances and they don't have money to instruct a lawyer. Um, especially coming up toxic relationships, quite often money or finances is used to control what happens next. But that's very valuable because I think a lot of people, when you're going to divorce, you don't have the available funds. I know a lot of my clients will say, you know, that their ex is controlling all the finances and they don't have money to instruct a lawyer. Um, especially coming up toxic relationships, quite often money or finances is used to control what happens next. Um, you know, don't get a lawyer, it's too expensive. Um, and they don't have funds or access to funds, even though in the family pot, there is money there. So what do you think are the biggest issues that you see from your perspective with people facing divorce these days? In terms of the business I've engaged in now, I mean, the, the, the problems with, with divorce are, are manifold, but the particular problem that we're trying to remedy is, is as you say, it's that weaponization of cash within a divorce where you have a financially dominant party on one hand, and then somebody who is, who is financially not dominant and, and reliant on that person as, as you, they are either you know, have a career running far less money or perhaps they've given up their career to look after children, etc. Not only can it it relates to, to paying for your solicitors, but um, very often you know, these people's concern is that, you know, it's not just how am I going to pay for my lawyers, but it's how am I going to keep putting petrol in the car? How am I going to put food on the table? How am I going to pay for my children's school fees? Um, because these are all pressure points that financially dominant parties will use within the course of litigation to try to obtain for themselves a settlement on good terms you know, empirically I've, I've seen several times in practice and and throughout my financial uh, career cases where uh, a husband has said to to his spouse take my deal now on these not very favorable terms otherwise I'm going to stop paying the kids school fees and you're going to have to pull them out of school and yeah if that's a real touch point for for you yeah there is the, a real chance that yeah, and that, and that can create a lot of unfairness in a divorce and that sort of financial control that is so often a feature of a marriage can then flow through into the divorce as well and can be um, a real method used by these parties to, to try to elicit for themselves an, an unfair settlement. I see this a lot and I suppose we have to say that it's not always the husbands that control the finances. Sometimes it is the women, but in most cases, especially in my clinic, it is predominantly uh, that the women that are suffering from this because they don't know. A lot of people don't know what money they have. A lot of people have sort of, in, in my clinic, they've sort of divided the roles up in the family that maybe the, the woman is at home and running the house and looking after the kids more predominantly. And then the husband's role is more to look after the finances and manage investments and those kind of things. So quite often when it comes to even knowing what the family net worth is, the there's no knowledge, there's no understanding, they don't know where the accounts are, they may have heard of things or have some idea. Um, in some cases they will, but in a lot of cases they just have absolutely no clue. So can that be a real disadvantage going into a divorce if you really don't know where the money is? Yeah, absolutely. And, and to manage that process of discovery without legal representation can be really difficult, particularly if you are not financially sophisticated yourselves, you don't necessarily know the right questions to ask. Um, 
both parties at the outset of, of financial remedy proceedings, one of the first things you have to do is complete a document called a Form E, and both the husband and the wife will complete one of these. Um, and it is far from unusual to uh, see a financially dominant party's Form E, which is not complete. But if you don't know how to interpret financial statements and how to look at bank statements and ask the right questions, then you could be swinging around in the dark trying to find money that is there, but just perhaps concealed. And you know, this can be a, a real problem. So to provide somebody with, uh, with the finance in order to instruct their lawyers and, and to engage properly in this process and give them the best chance of, of obtaining a fair award is, is sort of really what what our business and, and the litigation lending, the, the matrimonial litigation lending industry is, is concerned with. When you really don't know where the finances are, sometimes I've seen lawyers instruct forensic accountants to sort of go through the bank statements and, you know, if there is maybe money being transferred into account into an account that hasn't been named in the form E, then they will pull those threads and start investigating. But of course, those services can be expensive as well, are expensive and can be very expensive depending on how complex the case is. And sometimes it's just not possible to even estimate how much that's going to cost when you set out on that process. So again, it can be another part of the stress that's put on somebody coming out of a divorce. So is this something that you see where the costs just keep going up and up and up and it, it can be a real struggle and extra pressure? Yeah, absolutely. And um, an exercise that we're always very mindful to do carefully is cost budgeting when we're looking at funding a case. Because so generally um, our clients don't have the uh, ability to pay interest on their loans month by month. So um, what we do instead is, is we roll up that interest until the end and the whole loan is repayable at the end of the proceedings once you've obtained your award, be that a you know, sale of a property or, or a lump sum or a mixture of all of these things. So we have to be really careful when we're looking at that cost budgeting exercise to make sure that this isn't going to spiral out of control and that the repayment of our loan won't be some massive proportion of the award overall, because then you know, that, that, that could be really damaging uh, for, for our customers. So we have to keep really tight uh, sort of control on costs and it's a, a job that we manage. So how do you do that? Because in my experience, personal and working with thousands of people around the globe, this isn't a, a UK issue, this is a global issue, managing costs for a divorce case is incredibly difficult, especially if you are divorcing a toxic person because They'll throw things out the blue. They won't be, you know, giving you all information. There'll be a lot of things that are confusing or maybe late. All those very common tactics we see to make the process just a little bit harder or a lot harder. Um, and I've seen, you know, cost estimates from law firms that they estimate it's going to be a certain amount. And then actually it's three times that for that next stage. So how do you manage how that works out because I've never really in my experience seen cost estimates that are actually set in stone they're just that it's like finger in the air let's have a go and off, off they go. Yeah absolutely and and the earlier in the proceedings that a case comes to you the harder that is because you know further down that crystal ball you have to look so in terms of how how do we manage that risk um, we are 
extremely cautious in our underwriting that there is plenty of coverage in terms of the likely award at one end and how much does the customer want to borrow. In terms of making sure that that customer doesn't run out of money during the course of the proceedings, there are things we can do. So our loads have built into them as standard uh, contingencies. So the funding is tranched up to get you to the various stages of your cases and each one of those will have a contingency amount of cash within it um, if there's a bit of run over. If a case were to run over a lot due to bad behaviour, um, the, the other side, then there have been situations where we've had to then write additional loans on top of our original one to make sure that that customer is able to reach the end and, and obtain their outcome. Um, usually those are the situations, fortunately, where, where if that cost overrun has been engendered by bad behaviour, is that that person is then going to be punished in costs. So at least an amount of the extra funding that you've had to borrow um, is recouped. Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life, and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. Who can this help? Because obviously having uh, funds available to be able to fight your case obviously puts it on a more even keel. But I guess this isn't for everybody, right? So how do you assess who this litigation loan can help and who it just can't? Sure. So the uh, I suppose the sort of when, when we were setting up this business model, our, our sort of model customer was somebody who was asset rich and had perhaps been cut off by their spouse uh, and required financing in order to engage their solicitors and, and have a fair shot at their, their divorce award. We have sometimes often seen this being used by financially dominant parties as well. Perhaps you know, people who are asset rich, but not necessarily cash rich. They don't have 10,000 pounds a month or more to pay their solicitors to hand they'd have to take that out of their company and then pay tax on it etc so there are lots of different situations in which we've we've seen funding used but I suppose the common thread is that the loan we provide these customers has to be affordable in the context of their award so if there is not an awful lot in the matrimonial pot but you're going to need to borrow a lot of money to deal with it then these are unfortunately people who, who simply aren't going to be eligible for funding. We have to be very careful to make sure that we aren't putting people in a situation where they are borrowing more than, than they can comfortably repay. 
I mean, it's important not to put yourself under more financial pressure when you're going through this kind of situation than you would anyway, although I can understand a lot of people need help to get a fair outcome. So it really is a catch-22 situation for a lot of people out there. So tell me, this litigation loan covers the legal expenses, right? And it's just the legal expenses. Am I correct on that? No, so um, when the industry started, it was certainly focused just on on paying for your solicitors and all of those and all the sort of ancillary things that come with it. So it would pay for your barrister as well. It would pay for experts, yeah, expert tax reports, accountants reports, that sort of thing. When I was in practice, I noticed that there was a real problem with uh, what I suppose we could call interim maintenance or maintenance pending suit. So money for uh, litigants to to meet their day-to-day living expenses uh, throughout the currency of the proceedings because you haven't reached the end yet and you don't have your award and your spousal maintenance going off into the future but you do particularly if you've been cut off by a financially controlling spouses you may very well need money as I said at the beginning to sort of put petrol in the car and food on the table so we're able to uh, extend to people a sort of ancillary product it's called a living expenses loan, uh, and that can take many forms. It could be uh, a lump sum of cash at the very beginning, uh, or it could be uh, payments paid monthly into their bank account in the sum of you know how, whatever it is that they that they need, and that can last up until the end of the proceedings. So, so that's another uh, sort of potential hot point that we we try to. Uh, remove from people's considerations the sort of thing that you know, I'm not going to pay the school fees or you're not going to be able to pay your rent on this flat that you've taken because I've kicked you out of the house. We can cover those expenses as well, provided that it's affordable in the context of, of what they're going to receive at the end. Yeah, I guess this is also important because, you know, taking out a loan to pay the lawyers, you know, again, you've got to be so careful that at the end of it, you're not going to be in more financial debt than you were when you had no money to pay the bills in the first place. So, yeah, this yeah. isn't going to be for everybody. This is going to be for people who have that money that's coming their way later on down the line. But I just yeah, think it's absolutely. a service that isn't really known about. And obviously the living expenses is something that I hear so much in my coaching clinic that people have been cut off that they don't have money to pay for basics, um, let alone pay for their lawyers. And quite often the, the loans that I've seen before are only applicable to the divorce. So having a, a loan that is applicable to living expenses does give more freedom, I guess, to, to those that can afford to do that. Okay, so I guess, you know, the system is, is quite antiquated, the family court system, um, and there's obviously a lot of nuances um, with individual cases that we, I suppose, can't expect a court to, to deal with. But what changes do you think need to be made with the system at the moment? Gosh, well, I, mean, I, I think at the moment, the, the, the family court has a, a particular um, issue engendered by, by the pandemic in that there is such a significant backlog but I think this could really be used as an opportunity for change as sort of like I'm sure you and I have found in our practices whereas I used to be able to do one or two meetings a day going from one side of London to the other in fact doing things on on Zoom and virtually I can get through a, a list of work much much more quickly and I wonder if there there could and should be uh, a far 
greater embrace of technology in the family course to enable clients to navigate that process more quickly. I mean, with, with more and more courts shutting down across the country, now finding people having to travel, you know, not five miles to get to court, but 50. And you know, particularly for people who are vulnerable or, or financially disadvantaged, that can be a real problem. And I think this sort of pandemic has been a learning experience for all of us and that perhaps there, there should be uh, a greater uh, push towards virtual hearings and in, in enabling people to, to manage that process more smoothly from now on. Yeah, and I also think it would massively reduce costs. Because, yeah. You know, I mean, I remember looking at bills that I've had in the past for travel expenses for lawyers getting to the courthouse. I was thinking, geez, have they hired their own private limo to get there? <laughs> exactly. This is crazy. They're not getting the train like I did, you know, but obviously they're paying you charging for their time, not just the train fare or whatever the mode of transport they're taking. I mean, seriously, that would be a, a great change, I think, and something that would be massively welcomed, especially for the more vulnerable people going to court and having to sit in the same room. And also the whole process is so intimidating um, and scary for your layperson who's not trained in the language, the jargon, the way it works, the levels of authority and the ways of greeting a judge and definitely not greeting a judge. I mean, goodness me, it is quite an intimidating experience. And really, this is one of the most traumatic experiences you've got to go through in your life. And then you're thrown into that. So, yeah, I agree. Now, I know that you are part of an organisation called Support the Court. So tell us a little bit about that and how it might be able to help people and, and the work that it does. Indeed, yes. Yeah. So I'm, um, I'm a, a trustee director of, uh, of a charity called Support Through Courts, um, whose uh, sort of central premise, I suppose, is, is as you were alluding to then, that court is frightening and nobody should have to face court alone. Now, there are still lots and lots of people, despite the advent of the litigation funding market, who, for one reason or another, are not able to afford solicitors to act for them. Um, it may be that there, there just isn't any money to fight over, or it could be that the proceedings relate to children, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the number of litigants in person within the family court in particular is rising every year, particularly after 2014, when, when legal aid was removed for almost every sort of family law case that that you could think of uh, apart from perhaps you know, the, the very most vulnerable in society. So support through courts aims is, uh, is to provide support for litigants in person facing um, court alone. So they are at most of the major um, court centres in, in the UK. Um, they're centrally located at the Royal Courts of Justice. There's going to be a, a sort of outpost in the Central Family Court soon. And they are staffed by volunteers who are all very well trained. Now, the volunteers aren't solicitors, but they're trained to provide help and guidance and really be a sort of holding hand for people who are perhaps vulnerable or very frightened and perhaps facing uh, an ex-spouse who has got a legal team for him or her. Um, and to make sure that that person can navigate the process without any undue stress. Now, of course, it's always going to be a stressful process, but to try to um, aid them as much as possible. Gosh, that's amazing. And, you know, I 
wish I'd had support like that. And I, I just don't think many people know about this kind of support. Where can yeah. people find out more? I know this is a UK-based charity. So, I mean, in the UK, where do people go to find out about Alex? But then also, if you're not in the UK and you're thinking, gosh, I really could do with that kind of support myself. Do you have any ideas where people could go? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most most well-established legal jurisdictions will have a charity like support through court or um, bar pro bono units or solicitors that are out pro bono. So the first thing to do really is to um, get on Google, I think, um, and Google uh, you know, pro bono legal advice in my area, something like that, and see what is available. Because certainly in the UK, there are lots of charities and organizations that do this sort of thing. You know, there are lots of law firms as well that give up an amount of time each year as part of their CSR initiatives to, to make sure that they're helping people. So there is plenty of options out there for people so that they don't have to face court alone. Even if that's not the provision of a fully qualified solicitor, you might at least be able to get somebody who's trained to go through it with you and you know, tell you where to sit and, and how to address the judge and take some notes for you, that sort of thing. Yeah, that can be so incredibly valuable when, when the whole process is just otherwise overwhelming. Absolutely. I mean, having someone to go into the court with you really just helps start, take that edge off a little bit and know that you've got someone who's got your back in there, which, which I think is absolutely essential. It is an emotionally intense roller coaster dealing with the emotions of going to court. If you're not used to that kind of setting, I don't really understand why it is set up to be so adversarial, but it is. And it, it does impact, um, especially if you are vulnerable because you're coming out of a toxic relationship anyway. It does, in my opinion, appear to be a bit of a perpetrator's paradise at the moment. And I think there's some big changes that need to shift around that. So great. Thanks, Alex. You shared some really important information. I hope it's just opened my listeners' eyes to what services are available out there. Um, and hopefully for some of you, it is relevant and can help you. If not, you may know someone who needs that kind of support, too. So where can people find out more about you, Alex? Sure. So um, my, as I say, my business is called Schneider Financial solutions um just google us or google my name alex holbert um you can then find me either um at Schneider financial solutions or, or through my um links on the support through court website uh so if anybody does uh, want to talk to me uh, i'm on linkedin etc uh my messages are always open so i'm very happy to help in any way that i can Oh, well, thank you so much for being a guest. Just one last question I have for you that I ask all the guests on my show. Uh, the podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness, and I believe it's really important to identify what happiness is for you. So if you are dealing with any of these financial stresses and strains as you go through a divorce, you've got something to focus on that makes you happy. So, Alex, what is happiness for you? Gosh, well, I, th I think the pandemic has taught me really to um, appreciate the small things in life. And uh, my wife and I were, were very fortunate to have been blessed with a son uh, in June last year, right in the height of the pandemic. So uh, I think uh, really yeah, spending time with him um, at home has been a, a real joy and certainly got me through the last year. Yeah, I think you're right. I think sometimes, you know, all the stress and pressure that we're under it's, it focuses our mind on 
some of those things, but actually coming back to basics and just the things that don't cost any money. Well, maybe cost money for sure, but you know, just quality time with the family at home, I think, is is a lovely, a lovely focus. So thank you. Thanks for being a fabulous guest and for joining me on the show. My pleasure. Take care. That's it for today's episode. Do head on over to find Alex on LinkedIn. His surname is spelled H-U-L-B-E-R-T. Go and check out Schneider Financial Solutions and find out more about their services too. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness. Happiness.